Dave Rubin. We are in Washington, D.C., and joining me today is a U.S. Congresswoman representing Colorado's 3rd District. Congresswoman Lori Boebert, welcome back to the Rubin Report. Dave, it is so great to be back in the Rubin Report with you. We were uh, we were supposed to do this yesterday, but yes. apparently even a Congresswoman doesn't have the power to stop our endless aviation problems that no. we're having in America these uh, days. No, you know, Republicans are in the majority, so we have a little more power, but I'm not as powerful as Tony Gonzalez. <laughs> Um, who can shut down entire um, border security bills um, just with the, the power of his words. Uh, no, I was stuck on um, in airports all day long. Uh, I mean, if, if you're just going to count Eastern time, 8 a.m. to midnight. Uh, and I had two of my boys with me, um, which some people would think that that causes for more stress, more of a headache. But it was awesome. I had my 15-year-old, my 10-year-old, and uh, we walked the airports together. We snuggled on airplanes. We went and ate good food in the airport. They wanted mm-hmm. McDonald's. I vetoed that. And so, <laughs> listen, you get McDonald's anytime you want. But, uh, you know, it was really great just spending the day with them and a unique experience. Got home. You know, we got home at... 1230. Um, I put my 10 year old in the shower. I said, I have been with you all day. You smell. I made you shower before we got on the airplane. And I don't think you use soap. <laughs> so we still didn't get bed to, to bed till after 1am. And you know, do you was, ever want to do that with some of the Democrats you're debating? Yes. <laughs> you smell. Yes. You in the I don't think you use soap. Yeah. <laughs> the mom instincts come out in me. <laughs> You know, individual responsibility yes. is usually not their thing. Right. Um, do your kids and, and family come to D.C. often, or is this just like you doing your thing here in and out? Yeah, so um, I'm pretty much on my own for the most part, but when there's um, when their schedule allows it, they certainly come up here. Um, we've, we've pulled them out of school to have weeks up here before because I had been traveling so much and just missed the heck out of them and said, why don't you come out here? And they act like they own D.C. when they come here. They go throughout the Capitol, the office building, they know which members of Congress have dogs in their office and, you know, they, they go and storm their uh, their offices and hang out. Um, but this is spring break. So I have two boys with me. My oldest son is expecting his son any day. Oh, right, right, uh, so, right. yeah, so he couldn't you're, come to D.C. Like, you are, I know. You're gonna be, wait, how old are you? I'm 36. You're going to be a 36-year-old grandma. Yes, like, yes. I'm is, a GG, Dave. Yeah. I'm a GG. <laughs> how does that feel? <laughs> You know, I, I'm really excited. Yeah. Um, so my mom, um, she was 18 when she had me. I was 18 when I had Tyler, and now he's 18. And wow. one of his first comments to me was, Mom, it's hereditary. Yeah. <laughs> I said, nice try. It uh, doesn't work that way. Um, but I, I'm really proud of him and um, and my grandson's mom for being responsible because they could have taken a different route. Yeah. And both of them chose life. And so it wasn't, you know, anything I had to browbeat them with. Um, I, you know, very calmly had the conversation when we found out, um, just let me know if you think something else. I just want to have a talk with you if you decide to go a different direction. And both of them um, were, were very excited and wanted to move forward and welcome this life into the world. Was there any part of that that challenged any of your beliefs before you did that sit down with them and just realizing, you know? Yeah, so I mean, obviously I'm a Christian and you know, there there are standards that we like to uphold, but none of us do it perfectly. Um, you know, one of the, the biggest things that I look to is him who knows to do right and doesn't, it's sin. And I mean, there's things all throughout the week that I know is right to do. And sometimes, you know, I, I, I don't do them. And um, you know, so I, we can nitpick what the Bible says is right and wrong, but I, I think just having that um, that 
that heart posture of wanting to serve God and do the right thing is, is so important. And um, I, I mean, I, I, would I've chose a different path? Of course, you know, but um, this is where we're at and we're all embracing it and we're so happy. Um, Wait, what do you mean you would have chose a different path? For Tyler, for yeah. my son. Oh, I, yes, yes. Um, so, I mean, it, it, I, meaning at this age. At but this he's age, going, they are exactly. Going yeah, he wanted to go to UTI in Florida. Um, he was going to graduate and go to college in Florida. And now, you know, he's looking at um, petroleum engineering um, classes, courses at our community college. It's a great community college in Rifle. Um, but, you know, I get to have him home with me longer and, right. uh, you know, I get to be Gigi. Um, so, certainly there are some beliefs that you, you know, like, wait. This isn't exactly right and exactly what we have taught you, but this is where we're at. And we're going to teach you about redemption and how to move forward. Um, so I, I'm, I'm happy that he's close to me and I get to instruct him now on, you know, how to be a loving father and, and how to raise a baby. So let's do a couple things about Colorado specifically, and mm -hmm. then we'll get to the rest of the country. Um, when I did my book tour back in May, I did Denver, I'd stop in Denver, and I was shocked at the mm. amount of homeless people yes. there. Like, you expect it in Seattle, you expect it in San Francisco and Portland, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But I was shocked by what was going on in Denver, which is such a gorgeous city, and yes. the people are great and all that. So what is going on in Denver? Democrats. Um, so, I mean, really, that's what happened. Um, we, we had universal mail-in ballots um, uh, about 10 years ago go through, and um, Democrats started taking over every single election. And unfortunately, it was when um, we had um, our gubernatorial race that elected Governor Jared Polis. And after that is when we just saw this dramatic decline in, in Colorado, our, our policies um, infringing on Coloradans' rights. Um, and, and then just the crime increase. Marijuana, um, it's legal in Colorado, obviously. Um, and I, I think that that did bring did in you, a different- So you connect that directly? Because I, as a general rule, mm -hmm. I'm more libertarian right. and I do believe in legalizing this stuff and I'm mm -hmm. not against people doing what they want with their lives. But even seeing in New York what's going on right yeah. now, it, the whole city just smells like weed, basically. Yes, yes. Yeah. You you can't go outside in, in Denver and, and not smell weed. And yeah. it's pretty much throughout most of the state, um, especially in those urban areas. Um, but I, I think it just brought with it, um, that legalization brought with it uh, a different population and, and certainly a transient population. Um, and the homelessness has just skyrocketed in Denver when we were having um, the, the all, all the COVID lockdowns and everything. I, I mean, we just had an complete encampment right there at the Denver Capitol. Yeah, I mean, and, you guys, like literal tent cities everywhere. Yes, I was shocked. Cities, yeah. Yes, um, and they are everywhere, and they're they're not doing anything to remove them. Um, so they're enabling the problem, and it is only increasing. What, what do you think of? Uh, well, I guess I know what you think, but so Polis, it seems to me that people say when I'm always like, "Oh, there's no moderate Democrat." People mm -hmm. are like, "Well, Polis is kind of he's not completely insane." But it doesn't sound like the policies are that far from what right. we think. Right. No, the are, policies are yeah. very extreme. And I do like Governor Jared Polis on a, on a personal level. I mean, we, we've had some interactions, and he's been very kind to me. But his policies do not match that moderate or libertarian um, mantra that people have uh, about him. Even, even hearing stories of him serving in the House of Representatives is very different than what I'm seeing as him uh, being our governor. And maybe it's his cabinet members um, who are pushing these extreme policies and he's kind of going along with it. There is a supermajority. Um, the Democrats have a supermajority in Colorado and the state legislature pushes extreme policies. And unfortunately, 
unfortunately, those get signed into laws, uh, into law, whether that's um, gun control laws um, or comprehensive sex ed or uh, vaccine mandates uh, for our, our children in order to be to, to go to school. Um, and, and so all of this is so extreme. Um, and from from the top down, it, it affects everyone, everywhere. Um, the lockdowns uh, affected our businesses. Uh, so many were shut down. Our churches were shut down. Our schools were shut down. People were masked up and uh, and, and just lost so, so much. We didn't have um, a statewide vaccine mandate for the COVID vaccine. Um, and maybe that's why people look and say, oh, look, he wasn't that bad. Right, right. Um, but I, I, in that circumstance, I kind of see it like as an abused spouse, like, oh, he doesn't beat me all the time. You know, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> we well, have good days. Right, because I'm telling you, I mean, his name is on that very short list mm-hmm. of like not insane Democrats. And I would love to interview him and, and discuss some of this stuff. So we shall I, see. But, I think you should interview yeah. him. And, and like I said, like he and I have had great conversations together. I brought him to, um, he, he came into my Washington DC office and uh, we, we talked about water. Um, and it was a very productive conversation that we had about water. Wa- Colorado doesn't have um, a, a lack of that resource. Um, <laughs> right. we, we have an overallocation problem. And so he and I are trying to work together to see how we can store more of that water. It's a low hanging fruit. And you just came from California. Um, well. California takes a lot of our water, and um, it's really frustrating when you see hundreds of billions of gallons of water being dumped into the ocean rather than stored uh, in California after we sent that precious resource downriver. Do you sense that Colorado is going to just sort of have what what now, although Colorado, I think, is somewhat purple, it's going to have what the blue states have, which is that the big cities, so mostly Mm -hmm. Denver, will just go increasingly blue and the rural areas will just go increasingly red and then we'll just have that nonstop tension? Yes, um, so I do see increasingly um, blue, but our red areas, um, I do think that those are turning more purple. I mean, look at my race. I won by 546 votes. Um, our oil and gas industry is gone. Uh, we've been regulated into poverty in, in, in our communities. The Colorado's third district no longer has that industry like we did. And those companies have left. They've taken with them their employees and their families, and it has impacted us dramatically. And I have um, all of the tourist towns, most of the tourist towns in my district. I have Telluride, I have Aspen, I have Glenwood mm-hmm. Springs. Um, we just had redistricting, but I used to have Steamboat Springs. And um, I, we have your Ray. But Californians are moving into those areas uh, and they're able to afford it. The, the taxes are cheaper in Colorado than they were in California. So they're like, this is great. But they're taking their policies yeah. from California and bringing them to Colorado. Yeah. Are, so are you seeing that for sure? Because it's really interesting. What I've noticed is the people that are coming to Florida mm-hmm. and where I live in the suburbs of Miami, like it's all new people. Mm-hmm. And but they get it. They really do get it. Yes. Everyone like you can feel it like. No, I'm here to keep Florida free. Yes. I wear my Florida hat so all the all the OGs know that I'm cool. Yes. Like, but do you sense that it's a different type really that's coming to Colorado? That, that does kind of make sense in a way. Yes, um, people are not coming to Colorado for freedom. Uh, they're coming to Colorado for a, a lifestyle that they're accustomed to, um, and and even policies um, that uh, they have voted for in the past. But they don't recognize that they failed them, and that's why they're leaving. Yeah. Um, so they think, oh, if we try a new form of socialism. Right. Um, this this type hasn't been tried yet, so we'll try it over here in this state. Socialism with snow, right? Yeah, like that. Yes. Yeah, Socialism yeah, yeah. with snow. Yeah. Uh, and so, unfortunately, um, it, it's not the same as Florida. Florida is doing amazing, uh, and I mean, I 
I'm envious of how great Florida is doing. You have America's governor, and uh, we I, we are just getting more and more blue, more and more liberal in these extreme policies, um, red flag laws. Um, we we were at the top of the list to get red flag laws, and now our state legislature is wanting to increase those. They're wanting to ban um, any kind of firearm with a detachable magazine. I mean, first we start off with high-capacity magazine bans in 2013, and now it's we want to ban all firearms that have a detachable magazine. Uh, it's just as, as extreme as you can imagine. And I'm doing everything that I can to um, bring awareness to it, show people, hey, your votes matter. Um, we have the government that we deserve. We have to be engaged. We have to be involved. And uh, and then certainly help to strengthen Colorado's third district so we're not 546 votes away from an election. Right, I was going to say, Colorado, was it 546 yes. votes? Yes, yeah. How after long did recount. it take? It was like a full, oh, was it gosh. Like two weeks? It, I, I, oh, no, it was longer than that. Yeah. Um, it was in December when we had the wow. final count. I was the last Republicans race to be called. Uh, so we we had um, we had won. It was an automatic recount. And so we had to go and cure ballots. Um, and so if a, if a ballot was rejected because of their signature, we were able to contact that voter and get it corrected. We cured about 700 ballots and then won by 546. So uh, that entire effort um, to cure those ballots, every single one of them mattered. Man, those go the wrong way. You could have ended up in Florida. You could have. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. On a, on a less humorous note for a moment, let's just, so we're taping this on Tuesday. Obviously there was the this shooting in Tennessee yesterday. Um, we're going to post this on Thursday. Yeah. So some of this may may yeah. move a little bit, some of the information we find. The basics of what I could see was, was the way it's just how everything is framed in this crazy media lens. Like yeah. now it sounds like this was a biological woman, girl, mm -hmm. who I guess identified as a male or at least used male pronouns. This is gonna cause the anti-gun people to go for the guns. It's gonna cause the people who are pissed about the woke stuff to go after the trans people. Like, is there any way to have a conversation about this in a, in a sane way at right. this point? I, I, can, we, can we just put personal responsibility on people and, yeah, and, and that, say this was a terrible person who did a one, terrible yeah. thing? Um, I, I mean, I, I do think that we have a mental crisis um, here and a mental health crisis in, in the United States that's, that's being, um, uh, that, that's growing and really being encouraged. Uh, but I, I don't want to go after an entire group of people for something that one person did, um, just like the left goes after, you know, all gun owners when, when something like this happens. Look, I, I'm from Colorado. We're at the epicenter of, um, you know, these school shootings, and it's absolutely terrible. But you don't disarm law-abiding citizens because of one nut job who did a horrible, heinous act. Um, and, and so it, also looking at Nashville, I mean, who, who stopped this crazed shooter? A good guy with a gun. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, this is um, this has to be something that we focus on. I, I was actually just in a committee hearing um and and let me say, I I was in the airport yesterday. You know when I when this broke, and my, my boys and I prayed together, uh, just the families and everyone affected. And you know I I know the left goes after that. Oh, we don't want your thoughts and prayers and this and that. But I mean, I believe in prayer and that works. And I I know the power of the wraparound presence of the Holy Spirit and how He can just comfort and heal broken hearts. And so, uh, I mean, that's something that that we did together when we heard about this. And. Um, uh, but but there's so much. I, I was in the committee hearing um, on the ATF rule with the, with the pistol brace, and I, I actually got completely sidetracked because I wanted to say something that I had said in years past and used to believe. Um, I wanted to start off and say 
we don't differ in our hearts. We differ in data. Mm-hmm. But I stopped myself and I said, no, we do differ in our hearts because I don't want any child killed. And they're talking about this as the leading cause of, of, of death for, for our youth is gun violence. And I said, no, not even close. Actually, it's abortion. You know, we, we're aborting nearly that, that's one. That's the new meme that they're using constantly now. I haven't that seen that one yet. It, well, that is but, gun violence. Oh, yes, uh, yes, yeah. yes. But yeah, I mean, we're, we're up to, I, I mean, nearly a million a year. And that's never discussed. Um, and, and so we do differ in our hearts because every life is valuable. Uh, this is why I'm so proud of my son and and, and his girlfriend for, for choosing life. Um, even in, um, if you look at rural and urban areas, the teen pregnancy rate isn't much different, but the teen abortion rate is much higher in urban areas mm-hmm. than it is in rural areas because we value life. We, we care about that and, and do have personal responsibility. So we want to look at data and see what we can do to protect life. And uh, I want to arm teachers. I want to have secure schools. Um, there was um, a, an idea I proposed in the last Congress to take some of the unspent COVID money, money and secure schools. Um, protect our children. We protect Congress with with fences and miles of razor wire and tens of thousands of armed National Guards because walls work and armed security works. Uh, we, we secure our airports. We secure our banks. Why not our most precious asset, our children? Let me ask you about the arming teachers thing because I'm not, there's part of me that's not inherently against it. But then when you see how many teachers are actually left-wing activists. Yes. How many teachers are actually teaching this woke mm-hmm. craziness? How many teachers are clearly not good at their job or or actually quite negligent mm-hmm. in their responsibilities? What do you do about that? Because it's not as if you're just gonna handgun people, train them, and, then, and they're gonna be ideologically lined up with you in a way that's gonna make any sort of sense. Correct, well I don't think um, most of those woke teachers are, are going to be volunteering to be armed. Um, I, you know, there's, there's certainly circumstances um, that are, are always beyond my imagination. Um, but in Colorado, um, we actually have um, a, a law that allows teachers to be armed. It's up to the school board. If, if the school board um, says teachers can be certified, then they go through the certification. And we have um, a, an organization, Faster Colorado, that trains teachers. Um, and, and it's a very extensive tactical um, training course um, that, they're, that they're taught how to be responsible with this firearm. Um, most have had experience. You have um, retired um, military personnel, retired police, law enforcement. Um, and uh, I, I think that having some presence there um, able to defend the students is a really good thing. It doesn't have to be every teacher. It doesn't have to be the majority of teachers. But even knowing um, that there is someone there to stop mm-hmm. an, um, an imminent threat I think that is a large enough deterrent because even we're hearing reports, I don't know how true they are, but we're hearing reports that the shooter in Nashville, whom I won't name um, nor give pronouns, um, said this was a soft target. Like Mm -hmm. this person knew that this school was, was not going to be able to stop the shooting. So at what point though, I know you don't want to blame groups and I think that's important. It's, I literally didn't tweet about it yesterday because I was just like, I just don't want to add in the midst of the craziness. No, Everyone gets in on it right. for clicks and all that stuff. But at what point do you think the Democrat rhetoric, and this is what they do to you guys all the time, right, like right. the Republicans are always defending guns and it's their right. fault. So I don't want to do that same thing. But at what point when you constantly tell this group of people that they're oppressed, 
-hmm. that there's a transgenocide, that, you know, all of this stuff that is just patently untrue. At what point do you have to look at your colleagues and be like, do you see there, there is a problem here? You actually are radicalizing a certain set of people. Right. No, I, I do think that that's true. And that is something that we need to speak of. Just this one particular instance, I don't want to blame all of the people. But yes, there is a mental health crisis and the left is only escalating it. Yeah. Um, they, they are increasing this mental health crisis rather than addressing it. Gender dysphoria used to be something that you went and got help for. Right. And, and now it's encouraged and it, it's pushed on our youth, uh, you know what, what an adult chooses to do, do it. Um, but when you are confusing our children, when you are sexualizing our children, that is where the line has to be drawn. Um, when you are telling uh, elementary students, three-year-olds, five-year-olds, you could be a boy, you could be a girl. Well, they could be a mermaid. I wanted to be a mermaid when I was four. You know, I lived in the pool and, you know. Decepticon. Decepticon. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, this, this is a problem and it is radicalizing. Um, a, a group. We even saw, or I, I saw a CNN article um, that says if you've ever tweeted a meme of a black woman, well, then that's right. digital black face. This yeah. is the new oppress me of the day. You know, yeah. uh, oppress me, please. And, and you know, when you're when you're telling someone you're not good enough, you are oppressed, you are the lesser um, person, you are the lesser class. Well, then that's going to get in inside of them and, and cause depression and and more mental health um, crises. Uh, so it is it is something that I believe that the left is um, radicalizing and encouraging. So what do you do to reach across the aisle on this? Because I'm doing about 10 or 12 interviews all with Republicans when I'm here. We reached out to Democrats, not one responded. Mm. And I spoke to Senator Ron Johnson yesterday. He basically said, well, none of the Democrats will talk to me. I spoke to Crenshaw and he said, well, kind of on the DL they'll talk to right. him and some of them aren't that crazy. Uh, Gates gave me a similar version mm -hmm. to that. Who are the not crazy ones? Do they talk to you? And is there anything that can be done with them? I mean, if I'm too scary of an interview for them, mm -hmm. it's like, I'm not known for the, the hardball interview. I try to listen to people. Yes, you do. And but I, they, I but think... they won't sit here. I mean, <laughs> right. that's the thing. Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, that's the problem because the Democrat Party has their marching orders. Um, we saw it during the speaker's race. Everyone's yelling at the Republicans saying, you have to get unified. You, right, this right. looks crazy. Well, we have independent thought. The Democrats were told what to do. And they did exactly what they were told to do. Right, even uh, the radicals like AOC. Even, even the radicals, Green. absolutely. Yeah. And even the Congress before that, you know, they had, um, they were forming a coup to take down Nancy Pelosi and they took the deal. Um, they said, you know what? My committee assignment's good enough. Thank you, ma'am. Right. And walked on. Um, and, and so um, in so much of this, they don't want to engage. Um, we see it in debate. Uh, they want to say their side and leave. Uh, they don't want to hear the opposing views. A, a lot of times, if I'm debating on the House floor, I'll go early. I'll hear what the Democrats have to say. My colleagues have to say. I'll stay later. Sometimes I even ask somebody for their time so I could go up and respond. Right. But Does anyone else do that? I feel like nobody listens to the talks. Like someone gets up there and talk and they're like, nobody's there, but it's on C-SPAN or we see the clips. Or, it is very rare yeah. um, because you do have your scheduled times and our days are really busy here. So yeah. I understand it. Um, but... Usually you go in for your two minutes. That's what you have to speak. Maybe it's five minutes and, and then you get out and you're on to the next meeting. And it's almost feels like it's by design um, to keep us so busy that we can't engage when our, with our mm. colleagues. And back to the speaker's race, that was one of my favorite parts about it. Those four days, 
we were all together on the House floor debating, engaging in conversations with our colleagues. I talked to Republicans I had never spoke to before. I talked to Democrats I had never spoke to before. And it was a wonderful four days of actually getting to know and understand one another. Were you worried that, uh, I mean, you were at, you know, ultimately you guys got some concessions, mm-hmm. but you were you worried as one of the most outspoken people sort of against McCarthy that you were gonna pay a price? just personally, even oh, if you absolutely. got- Oh, but, absolutely, but that know. wasn't going to be what determined um, what I was doing. Uh, I, I couldn't say, you know, oh, I'm never going to be reelected again. If that's my only thought is my next election, then I have no business being here. I need to do what I believe is right. That's what I was sent here to do. I, I convinced and promised one, uh, hundreds of thousands of people that I'm a leader, that I'm strong, I'm principled, I'm going to stand for them and fight for them. And so I wasn't going to sit back and go along to get along and say, oh, my committee assignment, oh, I don't want a primary, um, I don't want you know leadership spending money against me in a race uh, or you know any kind of repercussions, whatever you could think of. Um, I, I knew to do what was right. And, um, and, and this was all about these negotiations that we had started in the summer and in good faith. And I, I'm glad that Speaker McCarthy saw the merit in what we were asking for and, and gave them to us. Um, I, I want to use more of the tools that we received. Um, and, and some of them is just not time for them yet, like the Holman rule that'll come up more in appropriations. Uh, but I, I don't want to only admire what we received. I want to put these tools to work. I'm interviewing him later today at the Capitol. Is there anything I can uh, push him on for you? Anything you, know, anything I, you need a little nudge on? I, I actually think so. Because I like the fact that he mm-hmm. seems like he's coming alive with this stuff. He does. It really does seem he, like it's He happening. really does. Yeah. I think Speaker McCarthy's doing a really great job, and, and I'm not just saying that. I, I He is very aggressive on this. Even the January 6th videos that he released, that wasn't part of the concessions. That was a bonus. Uh, right. Um, you know, and so this is amazing. Um, if there's anything that I want to be more aggressive on, it's subpoenas. Um, we, we had, um, and this isn't anything against um, Chairman Comer or, or Pat Fallon, who's the subcommittee chair and, and the subcommittee, we had the ATF hearing. But we had an ATF hearing without the ATF. Um, I, I want the ATF in. And they are coming in April, but um, I want to start issuing these subpoenas uh, and being very aggressive with it. The Democrats are. So I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, you were part of the Twitter hearings mm-hmm. and there was a great viral moment where you basically were like, you guys did this to me. Like yeah. you did it to me and I'm, I'm a Congresswoman. Yes. And this is what I've asked everyone else who has sat here over the last couple of days. What actually comes of this stuff other than, okay, we can expose some of it. So mm-hmm. you bring out a Twitter executive, mm-hmm. he kind of did some bad stuff, sort of sometimes did some decent stuff. But what about the government side right. of it? Like when are we when are we gonna drag, or when are you guys gonna drag out the government agents mm-hmm. who actually were communicating with them as opposed to the Twitter guys who, right. it's not that I have sympathy for them, but they're private employees who were probably in over their head and Correct. whatever. Yes. Yeah. And so we did have um, FBI, former FBI agent Baker um, that was that right, was in but there, he but, he, but he was Twitter. working for Twitter. Yeah. Correct. We do need to bring in these people. Um, but we called those hearings um, Twitter file hearings part one. Yeah. Um, so we are going to have more. Um, but unfortunately, Dave, I do think that these next two years are two years of exposure. Um, and I want to expose the, the federal employees who are involved in this more than anything. Um, and then um, hopefully the inspectors generals look at this and there's some sort of um, referral um, that we we can actually get um, criminal referrals for, for some of the things that have, have been done. But I don't know if we can do that in this administration. Right, so basically uh, you need a Republican administration to actually do anything. So the hope is you can get people to know enough about it 
right? Well, all, all the top guys are Biden's guys right now. Um, so it, that that is our biggest struggle. So we have to build this case. We have to expose what's been hidden from the American people um, for years. There has been no oversight in the House of Representatives, and there still isn't much oversight in the Senate. The Democrats have the gavel there, and they aren't going to bring in um, serious people to have this oversight. So it's our job to carry the weight of the House and the Senate and make up for those years where there was no oversight conducted. Not to beat a dead horse, but were there any Democrats on that in that hearing that were like, oh, actually, even though I'm a Democrat and they were mostly going after conservatives, this is a violation of the First Amendment. Maybe I, like, even on the DL, did anyone say anything? You know, if there were, um, I didn't hear of it. And so uh, everything um, was extreme MAGA Republicans. And, you know, I did set the record straight and said, listen, we are not extreme MAGA Republicans. It is ultra MAGA. Yeah. Um, but uh, we, we were exposing how, um, you know, the, the federal government worked with Twitter to suppress the Hunter Biden laptop story. They didn't want to touch that. They, they, everything is January 6th. And they're, they're using what they know works because it did work for them in the last election. Um, but now we're exposing what happened during January 6th, um, what happened with the censorship, what happened with the lockdowns, the, the fraud, the waste, abuse with the COVID funds. And um, a- Afghanistan, other committees are having hearings on that. We, we, we had a soldier that had the bomber, um, the suicide bomber in his sights. And he was not allowed to neutralize that threat mm. in his sights. And now we have 13 of our soldiers killed I mean, absolutely disgusting, but we are exposing what was going on and the American people are gonna see it. And um, I hope in the next um, two to four years, we have actual accountability. I don't want any show pony hearings like Benghazi. I want people to be held accountable, and so do the American people. Do you think it's kind of funny when Biden keeps saying, you know, the the extreme MAGA Republicans or ultra MAGA or whatever? Like he's sort of talking about your wing of the yes. thing, as if you guys are completely running the show. And the whole point is that you guys were on the outside and had to fight for a lot of that. Mm-hmm. But he's he's basically trying to paint everybody as if you you and Matt and mm-hmm. Gates and a couple well, other I mean, people we'll are in charge. Right. If they want us to run the show, let's yeah. run it because we have some really great ideas. Right. Um, I mean, look at even the debt ceiling proposal. Um, it was the House Freedom Caucus that came out and said, we have a plan. Uh, we aren't going to default on our nation's debt, but we're going to claw back some of this stuff, some of the unspent COVID funding, the um, the student loan program. We're, we're taking that back. You know, I mean, if, if you want to just do pennies on the dollar. We're not building your $500 million FBI um, building that you that you need, that your brand new building. Uh, and so there's a lot- one of the things they're going yes. for? The FBI needs yes. a $500 million yes. building? Yeah, you know, really important. Yeah. Uh, that, gosh. Uh, so there, there are things that they we really can absolutely- They the last couple They've years, worked so saying? hard. <laughs> You know, it was really, it was really the raid, you know, like, they're like, hey, we need a bonus, you know, after this Mar-a-Lago raid. Um, So uh, we we have a plan. Joe Biden's plan, uh, it it increases taxes on everyone. Um, They are doing nothing to reduce inflation, to increase energy development. Um, Everything that they're doing will increase inflation and reduce energy. Uh, We have 20 million Americans that can't afford their utility bills right now. Uh, we have a wide open southern border. We want it secure. We want the f- the flow of fentanyl to stop. And uh, so we have a plan. And I, I told Joe Biden in our, our press conference, I said, we're meeting tonight on the Hill. You want to come here? Put down your ice cream. Join us. We'll have a conversation. And, uh, you know, it's funny. He, he, 
the guy keeps coming downstairs and says, the only reason I'm down here for ice cream, and I'm starting yeah. to believe it. Like, yeah. that's the only reason he's coming downstairs. Like, I like ice cream. Yes. And everybody's like, oh, there's the old man who likes ice cream. Exactly. Well, we hear about the horrible tragedy in Nashville, and he says, I and hear there's chocolate chip, chip cookies. That's he literally did, like, a five-minute stand-up routine about yes. ice cream when he came down. I mean, yes. it was nuts. Um, all right, let me ask you one more. I know you hit the gym before you got here. You got a yeah, long day of I stuff. Did. You got to get out of here. One more for you. Um, <laughs> So you talked about what's going to happen in two years, hopefully. Mm -hmm. Obviously, this thing seems to be like going back and forth between the Trump DeSantis thing. Mm -hmm. I know you love uh, Trump. You obviously said some nice things about DeSantis yes. here. I think you have a sense of where I'm at on this thing. Mm -hmm. w what's your general take? And, and actually, do you think there is a way, which would be my preference, that it doesn't have to end up in destruction of one or both. That, yeah. that would be the best way, but Correct. I just don't know if it's possible. Correct. I, 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 at this point, I don't know if it's possible either. I think there's room in this tent for both of um, both President Trump and uh, Governor Ron DeSantis. Um, I, I would I would love for this to not end ugly. Um, I have endorsed President Trump. I do endorse President Trump. I, I believe that he will be our nominee. Um, obviously, Governor DeSantis has not announced that he's running at this time. But I mean, even the way the left is still going after President Trump with with the DA in New York, uh, they do not want him to run because they know that he will win. And I mean, think about it. They're not going after Nikki Haley. Mm -hmm. You know, she's she's a member of the club. She's she's paid her dues. They're not worried about her. Uh, but they are going after President Trump still. They have not left this man or his family alone at all. And um, you know, I think Governor DeSantis has great poten potential to be president of the United States. I just want him to wait till twenty twenty eight. Any final thoughts or should we end on that? That seemed, I, pretty, that seemed pretty clear. I love President Trump and Governor DeSantis. You just keep Florida strong for a while. Well, the funny <laughs> thing is for me, I'm like, look, if Trump ends up the president and DeSantis stays governor, like I'm, yes, I, I'll you be win. freaking thrilled. I'll be thrilled if DeSantis is the president. It's like, that's why I just don't want the, the mutually assured destruction. Right. That seems like it's on the way. Yes. So we shall see. We shall see. Good luck for the rest of the day. I'll try to nudge uh, McCarthy for you. Thanks. Yes. Let's get okay. some subpoenas. We've issued tens so far. Let's make it hundreds. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Thanks for tuning into the Rubin Report. Don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. If you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at rubinreport.locals.com.